set. Places, everybody. And action. You're listening to Black Girl Film Club, a podcast where two black women discuss movies. I'm Brittany. And I'm Ashley. And on this week's episode, we're discussing Dolomite Is My Name from 2019, directed by Craig Brewer. So we are continuing this month's theme um, of discussing fun movies. Ashley, do you kind of want to share like how we kind of landed on this theme yes so this initially came from me wanting to watch um hollywood shuffle having never had seen it before i have now seen hollywood shuffle <laughs> and <laughs> i just wanted something that i felt like the kind of pair with like the behind the scenes nature of it um rather than it being like a straight up movie about um being in like in front of the camera kind of is a lot more about the behind the scenes and like what it takes um, and your experiences being a black person trying to make something film wise, whether if you're an actor, if you're trying to make a movie, produce a movie, whatever. Um, and so I kind of got these two, um, I guess these are the two movies I really just like kind of popped in my head. I also want to give Dolomite is my name another chance because I watched it last year um and i kind of just kind of was like not in the mood at the time when i watched it so it just kind of turned out to be like okay i don't really know why i watched that but now that i've rewatched it and given it another chance i feel like i enjoyed it a lot more than i did um the first time around um if you are a longtime listener of this podcast you know that we actually reviewed dolomite way back when um for one of our pairings, I think we oh it was a black flotation pairing. Mm-hmm. We talked about Dolomite and Foxy Brown, mm-hmm. uh, and you can always go and revisit how we felt about it back then because it was iconic. <laughs> 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 and so this movie is more about Rudy Ray Moore, um, the person behind Dolomite, and like how he kind of like came up with the character, and how this kind of like was like a a cultural reset for him as um as a comedian and as a performer Mm -hmm. so this was my like second time watching this film as well for um i watched it when it first came out because we did the episode on dolomite and i watched a couple more of his movies like i watched pd wheatstraw and oh yeah you did (laughs) you did Petey Wheatstraw, y'all. If y'all can find Petey Wheatstraw, which I think might be streaming on Hoopla. So if you got a library card, you might have access to movies on Hoopla. I think oh, it might shit. be there. Hoopla with the shits. So <laughs> just shits. double check and see if Petey Wheatstraw is on Hoopla. Um, if it's not, it might be on HBO Max. Maybe. I'll double check. Oh, and I'll tweet about can it if it is. Can they get that shit together? Can I say something about HBO? HBO, can you just make that shit easy to understand? Because I would like to watch some things, and I am um, an HBO subscriber, and I feel like it's kind of garbage that I can't 
access HBO Max at this time. And I better be able to once there's no more HBO Go, because otherwise I'm a raise hell. So I would like to watch. I can't really promise you I'll watch P.D. Reshaw, but I would like <laughs> to watch some things <laughs> that are currently locked up in the HBO Max vault. Like some shit's already come and gone. <laughs> so, but I guess like if you can find it, didn't you watch it on like Amazon on Brown Sugar? I might have. People are so, just finding out about brown sugar, and they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> brown sugar, y'all. I had to, being broke, y'all, I had to let brown sugar go, but brown sugar <laughs> is with the shits if that is your shit. So yeah. they don't sponsor us, but <laughs> look they into don't. it. Um, but Petey Wee Straw is wild. Um, <laughs> it is a wild movie. Is um, it like... Is it like Dolomite or is it like worse? Like, is it the same kind of like pain? In the, the first couple minutes, Petey Wheatstraw mother gives birth to him and he fights the daddy or something like okay. that. He's born okay. like a like five-year-old child and like fist fights the daddy or somebody like in the room when the mama giving birth. So okay. that's uh, that's what we're talking about then. <laughs> like, that's... Oh, you can watch Petey Wheatstraw on Tubi. Okay. Tubi got a lot of these movies i will say because i think they have dolomite and they have the human tornado um but they also be having stuff like i got the hookup on here i talked about tubi a couple times um they got a lot of black content <laughs> i'm not really sure why or how but they have a lot um and it's na- uh mostly free i think so if you into it um i'm not even you know what i feel like Petey Weestraw has been referenced other places. It's a lot. Because that sounds so familiar to me. Like the baby fighting the daddy. Like, <laughs> I forget. It's either like he fights a daddy or like a random white man that's in the room. But <laughs> the doctor probably. Like somebody is being fought by like an eight-year-old baby that's born like that. So like, that's what we talking yeah. about when we Girl, talk about Petey Weestraw. You can watch Hot Boys on here. Ooh, I'm about to look into Tupi. Um, but that is like one of the reasons that I wanted to watch uh, Dolomite is my name. But the other reason is because of Eddie Murphy. Um, of course. We kind of discussed this on the last episode a little bit, maybe, but um, Eddie Murphy. Um, Eddie Murphy is one of my like favorite comedians like growing up that was someone that like if he was in the movie then likely that I'll watch it I would watch it mm-hmm. um and probably I shouldn't have been watching it at all was mm-hmm. high like I shouldn't have seen a lot of his movies when I saw him um I also when I was really small I used to watch him on Saturday Night Live which also should not have happened as well and I used to mimic him, which I should not have done either. So a lot of my like sense of humor, comedic timing kind of was shaped around Eddie Murphy, which Lord Jesus, my parents, Lord, why? But they anyway, you out here, they, just they here, Lord, make your way in the world. <laughs> lord but like it's eddie murphy so he had 
taking a break for a while and trying to see him on his comeback is something that was interesting to me after like all of the Shrek movies and things like that. Seeing what he would do next is something that I wanted to see. And this is one of the highlights on that road back to me. I feel like a lot of black actors get their start in like a certain kind of movie and then as they get older they turn to like family movies because i was thinking about like ice cube like that's been something that he's done i'm like that's so odd to me i mean it makes sense you can't be doing like the stuff that you used to do when you were like in your 20s or whatever like it makes sense i won't excuse me i won't disagree with that but it's kind of like when once you like you can see the clear turn (laughs) And I don't know, maybe, I feel like Eddie Murphy's kind of like the, like the pioneer of that. He, he would be like the blueprint for a lot of modern comedians because I, you could see his influences. Like I know like Red Fox is one of his major influences and he talks about him. and um, Richard Pryor. Yes. Like there, and you can see that like when you watch like Harlem Nights, um, but he is a major influence on some of the comedians we have today. Whether or not they are the same quality as him, oh, is yeah. negligible. But yeah, you could kind of <laughs> see that. Um, and I, I think I would agree with you with like, but I don't think we have like a. Eddie Murphy star because I don't think anybody is willing to take those kinds of risks in their career. In terms of like what? Like Like when you like when he first started he would make comedies but a lot of those comedies were like rated R comedies but they weren't necessarily like vulgar vulgar comedies they weren't like your like um I don't want to say like raunchy comedies like uh well I guess some of them were but they that's not really early Eddie Murphy yeah established Eddie Murphy yeah but he would make like um trading places um another 48 hours well 48 hours another 48 hours um Beverly Hills Cop like those kind of movies Mm-hmm. And then he got, like, really, really big. And then he had more power to make the movies he wants. And he made, like, Boomerang, which I watched in preparation for this. Oh, my God. I haven't watched that in, like, I haven't watched that in a while. A lot of it does not age well. but It sure doesn't. I was <laughs> it sure like, does not. what the fuck? It sure does not. <laughs> That's so funny, too. Cause, so, we talked about um, Eddie Murphy's Raw last um episode which is a very interesting discussion because Brittany found out i've never seen it before and then last night i watched um like a good 40 minutes of a very bootlegged version of the movie it felt like somebody had recorded it off of like a vhs tape in like 1996 it was very very um it was very very to watch (laughs) sonically i guess i was like i don't know if i'll make it um and I got about like 40 minutes in and then I just realized I was like no this isn't for me and it's not like it wasn't like parts of it were funny I just feel like as like someone who used to really enjoy stand-up comedy it's just like not 
my bag anymore. I don't really know like when that change happened, but like it's just like not my thing. <laughs> so I was like listening to it and some some parts of it I was like some of this reminds me so much of like the discussions I hear about and read about on Twitter that I was just kind of like, yo, I don't really want to watch this no more. <laughs> Because I felt like I was rehashing shit. And then I'm now I'm wondering, I'm like, is everything that I've heard just like a rehash of something yes. that somebody that watched? is probably like the genesis of it. God, just like, oh, God, when he's talking about girl, like women don't deserve um, alimony or, or like the prenup thing. Because he's talking about Johnny Carson had to like share like split up his like $300 million fortune with his wife or whatever. And he was like, she didn't even like help him make that money or whatever. And I was like, Oh my God, this sounds like every conversation that they have like on Twitter, like every two weeks about like fucking, um, like prenuptial agreements and shit like that. And it's like, half the people who are on here talking about prenuptial agreements don't even have the money to even <laughs> for anybody to even consider a prenuptial agreement. What do you want me to take like $50 from you? Like <laughs> talking about it doesn't make any fucking sense but yeah i got through some of it a lot of like i was like why was this included like this had nothing to do with anything like a lot of the homophobic jokes i was like what the fuck like where did that even come from like what does that have to do with anything i did find the part about bill cosby funny because i feel like that might be one of the first instances i've ever heard somebody being like man shut the fuck up (laughs) Doing all that talking and shit. <laughs> and complaining and then going off on large, long-ass tangents about God knows what. And complaining about, like, younger generations of people. Like, yeah, I, I kind of appreciate that. Um, this is, like, of course, in the 80s. So, like, I mean, the way we feel about Bill Cosby now is a lot different. But, um, yeah. I didn't really finish it. I was going to. I was also very, very tired. Um, but I kind of got the gist. <laughs> like, what was going to happen? Also, I didn't know. That shit was like an hour and 40 minutes. I was like, God damn, bro. <laughs> he did a full set. That is a long ass set, girl. <laughs> and then it's so funny. So I was trying to like think about all the times I used to like sit out, like sit at home and watch Comedy Central like, on a nonstop fucking loop. That was, like, my entire high school life. I don't know why I got so into Comedy Central, but I would sit there and watch, like, stand-up, like, all fucking day. And some of the comedians, I was like, okay, like, why was I even watching them? Like, they're not even a factor. And some of them were, like, interesting um, that I still think about, like, to this day, even though I don't really watch stand-up comedy anymore. I also tried to watch Eric Andre's comedy special yesterday. Oh. Oh, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. I cannot. It's a lot of yelling. I don't like the comedians who fucking yell. And I think that's also kind of a little bit about Eddie Murphy, like the tone of his voice in general. That for a sustained amount of time, young Eddie Murphy, I was like, oh, that's, it's a little squeaky over there. (laughs) I didn't want to listen to it. But I hate the comedians who fucking yell. (sighs) I just can't do it. It's just, just a lot. I wanted I, to be on the I'm record that I told her not to do that. Did you tell me? You didn't tell me not to do that. You just I said, said I thought. I said, you said we, I thought some people would enjoy this. Some people being one of three people. I, not <laughs> not Eric Andre. 
Oh, oh, not to watch Raw? Yes. I mean, I didn't feel any type of way. I don't really have any sort of, like, sentimental feelings about Eddie Murphy. Like, I'm not... It's not like I... Like, oh, my God, my hero is... All, like, I don't fucking care. Like, that's not really the issue. I didn't really care about that. Um, I just kind of was like, oh... Like, in general, I feel like I just wasn't really, like, connecting with it. And there's some parts that made me giggle. But, like, for the, for the overall, I would say... I was like, okay, whatever. Um... I'm sure if I was, like, a diehard Eddie Murphy fan, like, I would be, like, devastated or something. Or, like, at least, like, oh, my fave. But, like, it's it's not really, like, I don't have that relationship with his movies or, like, him as, like, a performer. Like, I, yeah. So, um, so, yeah. But I, I always thought that was very, I thought that was very interesting to, like, re, like, um, I guess revisit my old sort of, like, what were the standard comedians I was really into when I was, like, like 16 through like 23 or something like that because <laughs> i used to watch a lot of specials i'm not was... even gonna say because it's give us the worst one no not on uh-uh not on <laughs> not so people could come back and reference Girl, um but people used to like play they used to play like the word like when i really think about some of the jokes i used to hear i'm like why was that allowed to be on television and like they were just like straight up like racist jokes i'm like was that supposed to be funny? And then, of course, like, people in the audience would find it funny. And they would be, like, the butt of the joke. And I'm like, no, yeah, what were we going through? <laughs> like, what the fuck were we going through? Also, why would you pay <laughs> to see this person? Like, that's, yeah. I guess, I guess, dang. So, yeah, I used, I love, I, I still do. I like stand-up comedy. I used to watch Comic View. Deaf comedy jam. Oh yeah. All those random like you said, all those random comedy specials on <laughs> Comedy Central. That's how I found like Flight of the Concords, which I still like Com- Flight of the Concords. Oh yeah. Um but I oh yeah, I have watched a comedy special really recently. I think the last one was the one you told me to watch because I watched, um, what's that white boy? What's the white boy they all like with the dog? Who has a dog? What's that white boy's name? Oh, Mulaney, John Mulaney. Oh, I love John Mulaney. (laughs) You're like, what white boy? I watched his children's special and I thought that was so interesting because he doesn't want to have children. (laughs) Like at all. Like every time he brings it up, he's like, no. We're good on that over here. Uh, and so I watched his specials on um, on Netflix. And the Sack Lunch Bunch. like Yeah, the Sack Lunch Bunch. I really watched it really for Jake Gyllenhaal. But I also watched it just because I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting to see. Um, this is kind of dark. <laughs> this is very dark. Um, but yeah, I think that's the last like recent one I enjoyed. And then like, I don't know. It's been so long since I've enjoyed a comedy special. It really has been. I feel like the most disappointing one that I watched in the last couple of years is Dave Chappelle's, one of Dave Chappelle's newer ones, not like the most recent one, the one that he made when he made the comeback. Yeah. And Did I was on Netflix too. He has like more since then. And I watched oh. one of like the first new ones that he made. And that was like, what are you even doing like yeah some of that stuff it's because it's like 
a lot of it's observe like observational comedy so like you're really getting somebody's like opinions about things and they're trying to speed it like spin it in a comedic way and like some of them are just like girl like what are you even talking about you are out of touch you are still on this like weird wave maybe it's like transphobic maybe it's homophobic and i'm just kind of like could you get a grip (laughs) like nobody like like all this observing that you're doing and this is what you come up with it was just like bad and I hated it like I it was it was not funny like I was just sitting there and and that was a moment that I was like oh I'm an adult now right that's how I feel right now I just like oh I I feel like I've evolved past the need to watch stand-up comedy like I don't really feel any sort of joy watching this and that's not to say that I would like that like old comedy specials that I have watched that has still, like, well, like, I'll think of a joke from it or whatever. Like, somebody uh, brought up, like, like an old Cat Williams special from, like, Forever Go, the one we've all seen. And, like, I was like, okay. Like, I still think, like, some of those jokes are funny. And then, of course, fucking, <laughs> I was thinking about this last night, fucking Bernie Mac on Top Comedy Channel. <laughs> when he came out, that bitch, and said, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. <laughs> that little strut and I said you know what that's a classic I feel like that I could watch that right now and get a lot of joy from that but on the whole (laughs) I feel like it is like you could just kind of tell especially like a lot of older comedians maybe like you're not really kind of I don't know maybe the wave has kind of passed you by like you're inherently a funny person but like your actual comedy is like oh my god no (laughs) you don't want to grow and evolve and that's something that maybe you should take a look into yeah because you shouldn't be doing the same kind of content you were doing you were like 20 i grow up nigga like (laughs) yeah like bitch you almost 50 years old the fuck and that's not to say that older comedians are funny like you had george carlin he was fucking funny like all his ridiculousness and there's other ones too like i feel like you can't really just say like it's age and you can't say it's it's like you know, cancel culture or whatever. You can be funny without reverencing, like, digging into, like, low-hanging fruit, which I feel like a lot of them do um, out of pure laziness and now I think out of spite for some of them because they're just like, well, if I can't talk about that, what can I talk about? I'm like, there's a ton of things you can talk about. The overall human experience is so many things. Why can't you get your references from there? There's plenty of funny content out there that has nothing to do with, like, the same old, same old trite concepts that we've been talking about for God knows how long. Mm Because, like, I don't want to hear another rehash of, like, niggas versus black people. Yeah. Like, we could leave that back in the past. And I was thinking about that last night, too, because I was like, I used to watch that, um that whole segment on like YouTube like forever ago I used to find that fucking hilarious I'm pretty sure if I've watched it now I probably find some of it pretty um not funny but I feel like overall delivery and stuff like it's still like a classic routine (laughs) and so like but y'all don't have to keep doing the same classic routines or spinoffs of somebody else's routine like why can't you make that shit your own it's I uh, we've been talking for a, a minute about stand up. I'll cut but it like, down. You don't cut it down. <laughs> like this, this is a medium that you could take a subject. It 
practically practically any subject. I'm not going to say all subjects because some things are off limits. Um, but you could take practically any subject. And I feel like if you are an artist, you should be able to challenge yourself and find a way to make it funny without harming people. Right. And yeah, and I feel like, I feel like it's possible. I feel like people don't want to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. I also feel like people would realize that they're not funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If they actually sat there and was like, okay, let me think of like actual like hard jokes. Um, I remember there was this one comedian. I'll say one more thing and then I'll just like, we can go into the movie. (laughs) Was like Mitch Hedberg. Did you ever watch him? Um, I believe I did that. He's a blue comic, right? No, he's like, well, um, well, what do you mean by blue? First of all, before I say no, <laughs> he tells like, is it, I might be using the term wrong, but like he tells like real, like dry, dry comedy, like real, like, meh, meh, yeah, I've listened to his stuff a lot. He's very like deadpan, which is always my favorite kind of thing because it's a lot of like wordplay and kind of like double entendre and some shit like I wouldn't have gotten firsthand sometimes. But he's very, or he was very like that. And that's of course not for everybody, but like in that sense, it's possible to. I mean, he used to make up jokes about donuts and shit, like in escalators, and like that would be some shit that you'd be like, whatever, who cares? But like. It is possible to be funny without being, like, a total dick. And if you were a total dick, like, it is also possible for you to, like, apologize later. <laughs> or it's kind of be like, or not even apologize. You could just like, yeah, I was awful when I was 22. <laughs> and you can move on. Like, yes, Eddie Murphy has apologized for, like, some of his jokes yeah. in the past. Yeah. So, I mean, I just wanted to say that because I feel like it's very funny that we both kind of like were into stand-up comedy for a while. And I kind of had forgotten about that part of myself. I was like, yeah, I used to be camped up on on all these fucking, uh, mainly Comedy Central, but like I used to watch a lot of comedy, like stand-up specials like across the board. And I was like, oh. Like, that, I don't know. It's something about putting Comedy Central on while you're trying to do work. And then that would be me. My mom would be like, Ashley, go in your room. <laughs> and I was like, I'm trying to, I don't know, look here. I'm doing my homework. I just got the TV on. So, Comedy Central kind of embedded itself in my brain. Um, for better or for worse. <laughs> so, um, I guess we go into movie now. Of course, I'll, you know, I'll cut down all that. <laughs> what we talked about. But let's talk about the movie. Um, so like I said, the movie is about Rudy Ray Moore when he was kind of in a down, um, downtrodden part of his life. He was working at like a, um, at a record store in LA and he was trying to get people to play his music, which I didn't really realize that he had been a musician at first. So I had to go back and like Google him because I don't think we mentioned any of that in our first episode. Um... On Dolomite, I don't think we talked about that at all, but he used to be, before he was like a comedian, he was a singer. And I guess he had also been a comedian, but like nobody was really paying attention. Like he had put out comedy albums, but like nobody really gave a shit. Yeah. And like, from what I gather with his music, it was like Motown-esque music. 
before like Marvin Gaye reinvented himself. So it was like the old school, like sixties. I think so. Music like Motown style music, like the doo woppy music, and it wasn't right. on trend with what was happening now. Um so he couldn't find like a radio station to play what was happening because during the time, like you had like what was well, the movie opened with what's going on playing, which is still a re- relevant song today. Um, so you had more songs dealing with like uh, social commentary um, playing on the radio, and his music didn't fit into that trend at the time, so he couldn't get airplay, and in the clubs he couldn't get time on stage really because his jokes just wasn't hitting like that he wasn't making the (laughs) crowds laugh so he would try to do a little bit of what he can to get more airtime but he was just an MC, so he would just come up and introduce other acts that were a little bit more successful than him yeah and this one he is like um he's kind of like the warm-up guy i guess like instead of like the opening act of being like a singer he was like the warm-up like the stand-up comedian that would kind of warm up the crowd and stuff like you know how we kind of have that now um where you have like <laughs> some random person just come and warm up the crowd before i think i happened when we went to go see like ti <laughs> like for the screen tour like some dude was up there and then like the hype man or whatever and then uh he introduced i don't even know what his character's name was with craig robinson's character you know Craig Robinson be saying all that nasty R&B songs. <laughs> He's always got a song about like take your panties off <laughs> So uh yeah, he's not in a good place. Uh he can't get um Snoop Dogg to play his album even though they work in the record store together. <laughs> So he basically walks back to the front desk and was like, well, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, this whole movie kind of goes over like basically how he started the character of Dolomite, which is like how he um, basically became like, I guess, well known. I don't really know how famous he was. I mean, of course, he has like a big legacy, like rappers um, and stuff like that. And people have like referenced him in rap and like other places but like i don't know like as far as overall because hmm. i don't really i mean i don't think the point of like black exploitation movies were like for like mainstream like white audiences um but like even in like the just general like black scene like i don't really know i'm sure he's well known maybe maybe it's really hard to find stuff about Rudy Ray Moore online. Um, yeah. Let. Oh, Ooh, no. don't mind that, y'all. <laughs> there is a such a storm. <laughs> we gonna keep the tape rolling, but yes, shit is happening out here. <laughs> so, um, I know, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer to that. Right. I feel like there's like, I feel like there's more now that there's a Dolomite is my name, which is like why these kinds of movies are important because 
people kind of go back and it's like, okay, well, who was this guy reading anymore and stuff like that. But as far as like uh, actual like firsthand accounts, although apparently he was on the Arsenio Hall show or I, or I guess our, on Arsenio, I don't know. Um, there's like a clip of him on YouTube, but most of the things I'm seeing from here are from 2019, <laughs> just mm. when that movie came out. Hmm. Mm, I know, right? Like, I feel like it was kind of like a, not a, like an open secret, but like just something for us that we knew who this was, but like all these other people and like outlets weren't really saying nothing. So I feel like you can find a couple videos about him for interviews, like towards like his later life. Um, but most of these things are, of course, about Eddie Murphy. So, um, so yeah. So like we said, he is down and out. Um, nobody really wants to hear his music. Um, it is not what's happening on the charts. Nobody wants to hear this shit. And then uh, this guy who comes in, he basically lifts all these jokes from this dude. From, yeah, which I was like, wait, it's kind of mess. It's mess. It is messed up. Yeah, that part's never really kind of been like, uh, I mean, you want to give him a cut? (laughs) You know that man did not get any kind of money. Not one cent. (laughs) Not one cent. (laughs) Yeah, he takes all his jokes, but also I find there's very interesting. Like the whole sort of backstory on some of these jokes were just kind of like stuff that we passed around or like were passed down from person to person. Um, and it almost felt like freestyling. And that's like, that's something that I like about like jokes like these. Like, one of the first jokes that I ever told I heard from like an older cousin and I was so excited to hear this joke that I I told my mom and my mom (laughs) laughed and I was like oh my god like I thought I was like a legit comedian because it was a joke and then I Uh told one of my mom's co-workers oh no Brittany (laughs) and when I got to the punchline, she was like, okay. Oh, yeah. And my mom was like, Brittany, 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 Brittany. That's for the house. Brittany. That's for the house, ma'am. And I had to be like seven or eight. But she was like, Brittany, Brittany. But I was just like so excited to learn a joke. <laughs> that I had to like tell it but <laughs> I, I was never a joke teller I was pretty like a quiet type of child so like I didn't do that um but I know I've said some stuff that like has like I've repeated things I feel like everybody's like repeated something that they heard and then your mom's kind of just like no <laughs> you don't tell that outside of the house <laughs> oh you keep that in the family <laughs> Oh, she, I think she even mentioned that joke the other day and I was cracking up. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my god, a mess. I can just see you now. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I do like I do like these jokes because they're not really necessarily like long form jokes. It's kind of just like random, like kind of dirty rhymes almost, which I could see definitely making like Rudy Ray more like the godfather of rap because I mean like you can't deny it black people love a good rhyme we love a rhyme off the cuff <laughs> and of course we're not the only ones who like this but I feel like this is like baked into I mean how many times have you seen somebody like okay I'm a freestyle I'm a freestyle and then you're like you know what you better not someone take the mic <laughs> This, when we were doing something, when we did the Dolomite episode, I think I came across something when uh-huh. they were talking about how influential Dolomite was to like a lot of rapper personas in the early yeah. 90s, like how influential he was to Snoop Dogg. Oh my God. I feel like that's whole, Snoop Dogg's whole thing is like Dolomite. Um, yeah, this is definitely somebody who watched that on TV when he was like a kid and was like, yes, <laughs> that's going to be me. And I guess that's why he made a little cameo in the movie. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cameos in this movie. Oh, yeah. Some popped in and I was like, oh, I forgot this man was in here. Right. When T.I. came in. Yes. I was like, <laughs> what? And I was like, where you come from? <laughs> Where did you slide in from? Because I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, where was he in this movie? I don't remember him being in this movie. I forgot. He was trying to pitch, like, more respectable films. Yeah, he was the record exec, and I guess he... I'm not sorry, record exec, the movie exec. And he had posters of like Foxy Brown and I think a couple other movies on his walls. I'm assuming that's the movie that they had produced, which is why Rudy went to him saying, oh, y'all can produce this movie that I want to make or whatever. And um, he was like, well, we want to make respectable movies about like, you know, a man going to college. (laughs) I was sitting there and I was like, that all sounds really boring. I'm sure that would have been great. And, like, really um, something that was much needed at the time. But, like, me, like, right now, I was like, oh, God, this sounds so boring. (laughs) And, of course, Rudy's thing is, like, you got to have, like, what? Like, nudity and kung fu and action in the movie to make it hot. Like, I I love everything about the movie that Rudy pitched, personally. (laughs) I mean, hey, it came to life. Shoot, he got it off the ground eventually. Um, but in like pitching his work, like he got shut down. He met the guy that he like stole his whole bit from, um, and he ended up kind of like fleshing out Dolomite into like an actual character. Um, right, and like by wearing a wig, putting on a suit. And making it. I would like to say that wig, like when he was wearing that wig all the time, like on, like in real life too. I guess. Because I was like, they kept calling him old. And I guess by this time, 
if he, it's like he was born in like 1927 so i guess by this time he's probably like in his like this is 70s yeah so maybe late 40s when this was made mid late 40s i guess like of course like if you don't make it by like when you're 20 obviously you're dead like everybody thinks on the internet and so um they like portray him as like a has-been kind of but i was like i never like when we watched dolomite i never thought of him as being really like older but eddie murphy as rudy and dolomite looks way older than rudy looked in dolomite in the original dolomite so i was kind of like wait how old was he supposed to be and then when he put on that wig and i was like oh interesting <laughs> i mean also we people from different times also look different that's true i mean yeah and eddie murphy's a lot older than what rudy was when he made this movie Mm-hmm. so that has to do with some of it I'm sure I did like this part though when he was fleshing out the jokes because you actually get to see him like write the jokes um, because it's usually not something that you, like a comedian will let you see mm-hmm. in general that feels like it's very private although I was just want, like excuse me I was listening to this um, podcast which um, of course I was um and it was like two comedians talking which i first had to get over the fact that i was like i don't do you like watching or listening to podcasts with like two dudes talking it's i do so, it way too often so yeah it's so boring well no i can't say that because i listen to like jesus and Mero. but like anybody else i'm like oh this is a lot like what are y'all talking about like i don't care about sports but um i was listening to it and they were talking about chris rock going um like seeing him at some show because apparently he still goes to like like basically like your you know regular comedy club and we will test material they'll say in kind of like a really dumb like not dumb down but like a really deadpan kind of way where he's not really like putting on the whole entire act and then like later um like one of the comedians said like he had um saw him on like sort of like a bigger stage, like it was an actual like Chris Rock like headlining show and he put on like his whole voice and like the whole thing and like he, like the joke had transformed. Um, and I was like, that's kind of an interesting way to do it because I really don't know how people be writing jokes and stuff. Like, I don't really know, like, I mean, do you keep this on your phone? Do you write this in a notebook? Like, <laughs> what is it like to like recite these jokes in front of a mirror? Or like, do you try them on friends? Like, what's the process here? So I kind of thought this was interesting and he got like his whole outfit together and and the cane and the hat. One day when I test out my material, Ashley, you'll I'm suffer. Nervous. I'm nervous already, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> I am nervous already. For my Zoom debut. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> She's going to be like, hey, everybody gather around at 7 o'clock on the dot. I'm going to run some material by y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, y'all. <laughs> oh, I have a title and everything. Ooh. Oh, no. Oh, she oh, does. Oh, oh, she's been waiting. Let me write, that, let me write it down. Okay. <laughs> so Yeah, that does sound interesting, though. 
Yeah, I like that whole thing about kind of like going and of course he changes it. Um, he changes like certain parts and he like makes it more funny and like some things he's like, oh, well, that's kind of like maybe we could change it to this word and then he'd like debuts it at another. Um, I think at the same club that he had been working at, it was like the same guy, but he was like, <laughs> like the owner was like, hey, like nobody wants to hear your shit or whatever. And then he gets a huge applause. And then from there, it just like turns into this whole thing. He puts out a couple comedy albums. Um, why was the one like some of these album titles, girl? Let's let's get into them. <laughs> let's get it. Wait, let me see if I can find them. Because like, wait, a I know one of them is this pussy is mine. And I was like, well, I can see that. Uh, I can totally see that influence in so many rappers. <laughs> it's like, titles. eat out, wait, eat out more often. This pussy oh. belongs to me. Dolomite oh, yeah, for okay. president. Merry Christmas, baby. I assume that's a Christmas album. Um, The Cockpit. Oh, okay. And like, Return of Dolomite. So... Oh, like, did you know Rudy Ray Moore was on um on Martin? I need to see what it's what an episode called The Players Came Home and he's um as Dolomite. He's on the episode. Oh. I don't think I've ever seen the episode, but you know what? Martin probably um uh needs to he probably owes a lot <laughs> for Jerome. <laughs> uh that whole entire character. You like, know he owes a lot to a real player from the Himalayas. From the Himalayas. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the original player. Oh. Uh, things that we were like, damn, that's hilarious. It's still hilarious. I don't really see it from Martin anymore, but like. No. But like, like you like, sit I down think... and you be late. That ain't no damn puppy, Gina. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like I hate Martin the character. I hate Martin. I hate well, I think Martin. The show is funny. Some people really don't like it anymore, and I think a lot of people are like more like who are younger and didn't um, like didn't grow up watching it like in um, like in syndication or whatever. Like it wasn't like something that your parents had. Because like when I was a kid, like my parents were watching Martin. Like that was like something that they watched. <laughs> like when it came on tv at night or whatever but like i watched martin like in syndication and stuff and um i'm sure people who are younger just like don't connect with them like that yeah and that's all right that's something that we all have to understand because sometimes it's a like why the fuck would uh, like 14, 15, 16 year old connect with something that is a little too dated. Yeah, I mean, you're asking them to go back to a time when they didn't really give a shit because <laughs> they weren't born. Not only do they not really give a shit, but also doesn't look like anything that they have grown up with. Like, there's no computers, there's no phone. <laughs> like, shit looks completely different. The aesthetics are different, how people talk to each other. Like, it's completely different. And, like, I mean, like, I'm not going to fault somebody for, like, not really giving a shit about Martin. <laughs> like, for example, like, why, why would a kid know a fucking Carrie Hilson song, y'all? But anyway, 
Um, <laughs> did you? Are you talking about that Vine or not that Vine? I keep on Vine. Talking about that TikTok or the like the two white girls are like, oh, I don't know this uh, song. I was like, what is this myself? And then I was like, oh, I said that to Brittany and I didn't even watch it. <laughs> I was like, what is what is this? What is happening? And I was like, oh, do I know these? And then I was like, oh, okay. But like sometimes we expect because we knew. Okay, I keep talking about, like, older cousins or, like, play cousins and things like that. Sometimes, like, generations don't have that. Sometimes the internet might be their older cousin. Like, we can't... Older cousins. We can't necessarily expect younger generations to connect with things and media the same way that we connected to these things and that's okay. Like, you don't it's, have to roast them or make fun of them about it. It's just I like, it's a just, thing. It's fine. I think people are just anxious about themselves getting old. Also, like, things that they like being irrelevant. Um, because the things that you like will eventually be irrelevant if they aren't already. Um, and so they just have a really hard time with it. Um, I don't really think of myself as being old. Um, I'm fucking 30. Like, I'm not old. <laughs> Like, I'm actually quite young. But, like, to other people, I'm probably really old. And, like, the things I like and things that I talk about are old. Um, of course, like, there's not a lot of, like, referential. I feel like we don't really... We reference things from the past. Like, younger generations reference things from the past. But, like, there's not a lot of, like, this is exactly what this is or whatever. And also, you can't really expect them always to be interested. Like... Imagine, like, your parents or somebody else that you're kind of like, who the fuck are you? Like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> like, being a know-it-all teenager, like, that's not everybody's life, y'all. Like, the only thing that I guess I might contradict myself in this moment, but uh-huh. the only thing that I will ask of the youth is watch or listen to old older stuff. Like, you don't have to like really really fuck with it or like it but if you do find something that you fuck with and like it and if you're an artist take that as an inspiration and make something new like there's so much stuff out there that you can look for look into for inspiration and you can make some totally new shit from and sometimes a lot of people just limit themselves to a certain like um, era of stuff and they don't look past that era and they miss out on a lot of different stuff i mean yeah we are on we are here talking about like watching like older movies like we were talking about that when you watch strangers on a train (laughs) 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 a crisscross (laughs) from like 60 years ago whatever um and so yeah i mean that's important um like we're talking about Dolomite, like shit. Neither one of us was alive. I was alive. <laughs> but like, his, it like that. He influenced younger generations, and those generations influenced us. That's kind of what, and I feel like that kind of same influence is kind of really. I feel like there's a lot of like, from what I can tell, like, <laughs> um, like the younger generation, I guess Gen Z or whatever. They're kind of like. They're like, ugh. <laughs> These older people are kind of like, ugh, gross. <laughs> they have a lot of contempt. And I feel like there's a lot of, like, passing down between, like, knowledge and stuff in between the generations. Maybe, like, the younger generation kind of holds this, um, 
in contempt maybe um but also i feel like every generation kind of is like Ugh, to the older generation and also we forget um this generation has a lot like an overflowing of information being given to them at every single point of every single day there's no way they're gonna know everything um and no one's really directing them to certain things like they're discovering things on their own so like if they discovered something and they don't see it for it then well shit yeah <laughs> i mean if i had as much information at my fingertips as these kids do like i don't know what i would do my head would probably explode yeah because some people want you to know everything about everything at one point i'm just kind of like there's so much happening at one time i don't know what's happening on the other side of the world right now but i'm sure something fucked up is happening and i just cannot digest all that information at once like it's not healthy i don't know if people realize that it's not healthy to know every single thing that's happening um that's going on at any one time it's actually pretty fucked up to have that um amount of information available to you yeah and i mean available to you is like you are taking this in like continuously consuming information not like something that's in the library for you to like look up later <laughs> like this is like a constant stream of like stuff and like there's just no way to take it all in but we have gone off on a tangent like always <laughs> Is our brand. Of course. Um, I, uh, yeah, so he becomes really famous off of this. Like, he becomes super famous. Not maybe super famous, but he becomes, like, um, he has, like, for the first time, like, an actual audience that, like, enjoys his content. Um, and he ends up promoting his album. <laughs> Which album was he promoting at this time? I can't remember. Um, I feel like, was it Eat was, Out More or Dolomite was, is it, President? No, or, it was Eat Out More because remember they were like, he was like, he had a photo shoot, remember? <laughs> he oh, was with like, the, the naked woman. Yes, it's just like titties. <laughs> just but then she took off the titty, like not to take off her titty, she took off the robe to put on another robe. <laughs> I was like, what was the point of her taking off her robe, bruh? Hey. In the first place. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but yeah, so he's making a comedy album in like the same way. It's like, um, like Red Fox and like Richard Pryor, which I don't think he think he even saw it for Red Fox at the time. He's like, oh yeah, we used to be like dishwashers somewhere together, and he didn't really think that their comedy was that interesting, or maybe he thought it was like, I guess he thought it was interesting, but he thought he thought it was kind of like, it's really just profanity, but it's like profanity that's like a double entendre, so like he wouldn't they wouldn't get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> for like inde- indecency, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he ends up kind of doing the same thing. And yeah. kind of worse. <laughs> like not worse is like bad, but like worse is like like damn, bro. <laughs> like <laughs> it's women with their whole titties out on here on this album cover, bruh. Yeah. Like he just was out there. Like he he said that he after the record executive told him that no you can't do this because this is too explicit he said if I want to say X Y and Z I'm going to say X Y and Z um so he kind of really pushed the envelope with that (laughs) as seen from like the nudity on his um out like on the record um covers and like this is what i found like 
this was a moment in the film that I found a little, like, probably the most inspirational. It was, like, someone told you no, but she was going to do it anyway. Yeah, I mean... It just me? Just somebody tells you no. <laughs> You're like, it me? <laughs> just because somebody tells you no doesn't mean, like, like no. Like, it doesn't have to be through that person or or it doesn't have to be like, oh, this is how it always is. So um, there's no room for innovation or, like, something new or... Or um, even if you're doing some, something similar to what somebody else is doing, that doesn't mean that you can't come in here and thrive in your own way. Like, he was still doing, like, profanity-laden comedies uh, routines, but, like, he had the whole character, and that kind of gave it, like, something different. Um, so there was room for him to, like, be in that space. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> was it ridiculous? Absolutely. <laughs> It was fucking ridiculous. But he still made it his own. Mm-hmm. I I just think about the album cover. Which one was it? It was like four naked women with him on the cover. Oh my goodness. It was it was it was it was intense. Like it was He did And I also liked how he didn't compromise his vision. He was like, you know, I'm thinking like this. <laughs> like <laughs> This how I want it to be, the album. And he was like, yeah, let's make this album <laughs> like this. And it also, I'm going to possibly table this for one second. Um, but with that, he, he was so no. He was like, you know what, we're just going to do it myself. And he like had like his illegal, <laughs> his illegal album making uh, oh, operation. Yeah. And he he sold a lot, but a lot of times, like, black people get told no in a lot of different facets Uh um, often. And we always have to think about ways around that. And a lot of times we have to make our own way. Right. To release art. when um, When he was selling the records out of his car made me think of ludicrous mm. because that was like one of his like big things was like he had made an album i can't remember which album was it like a mixtape i think he made one like with his own money i think too and was selling it out of his car in atlanta and became like really really like well known just like in atlanta off of that and then that led to him um making like his like major label debut and stuff but like i feel like that's like a whole thing that happens a lot where like people gotta just kind of like do especially black people just kind of like make their own way through things without the support of like most major label or like big backings and Um, like just think about like all of the like think about all the work that it takes for someone to believe in your idea, your project, your vision, like you physically have to have the end product and you have to have the audience. You have to have the, you have to have all of this there for you. Like you have to have this, the the whole thing already put together. If you're black, like you have to have the whole mechanism built 
from the ground up if you're black. But for other, like for white people, all you have to do is have an idea or half an idea and you might be able to get funding for your project from the Also, jump. you have to like know a lot of people. Yeah. I know a lot of people. A lot of it's just like, you know this person, you met this person or whatever. And like, so I, I watch a lot of like, like behind the scenes, like and read a lot of interviews and stuff and people like just listen to how people like get their ideas off the ground and it seems like that's usually just it. <laughs> it's just like they know a lot of people. Um, in whatever circle that they're trying to make something happen in. Hmm. But also, I feel like for him, like, you couldn't really think of your, like, you couldn't really be like, oh, let me examine lo- lo- the logistics and, like, the, and, like, overthink the whole thing of, like, the mechanics of how this will work of, like, filming a movie and, like. No, he wasn't going <laughs> to do all that regardless, and but. Making, and making a comedy album, like, I feel like a lot of people, like, overthink it or maybe they want you to, especially in, like, nowadays, they want you to be, like, well, like you said, like, with the audience, like, who are we going to provide this audience to? Like, what's the audience and what's the metrics and all this crap? And, like, I work in advertising, so, like, I have to hear about this kind of stuff all the time and, like. You have, like, people build whole presentations about, like, this is what we, you know, from the data. Like, data is such a huge thing. And, like, if you can't prove something that would be good by the numbers, it's so hard to get something made because everything is just about, like, oh, this data that we collected. Because they don't want to get it wrong. They don't want to put a lot of money out to make something that nobody's going to watch or, like, nobody's going to, like, buy something because of or open an email or whatever like it's all based on like all this like crap (laughs) and not to get too far into like my personal feelings on this situation because it will it will skirt skirt into that territory real fast but like i see that happening and um across the board because everybody just wants to make money and that makes sense but then like nobody's really willing to take a risk and have it be a failure and even when when Rudy is making his movie, you know, they're like, you can't afford to be a flop because if you're a flop, we'll own your record rights um, and you'll be working for like the rest of your life, basically. Mm. Mm. So, um, yeah, if it had been like a big fuck up, it would have been like horrible. Um, but he ends up making this movie. I um, love his circle of friends. I should say. I do too. Um, so he's got Craig Robinson. He's got Mike Epps. He's got, um, oh, what is Who name? is, I feel like I gotta say it because I watched his stand-up. Who is? Mike Epps is not funny doing stand-up, but if you put him in like a role in the movie, yeah. he got you. <laughs> I don't see him as being a stand-up comedian which is weird because he is one i had to endure like two of his specials while getting my hair braided once and well that sounds like a horror show (laughs) you know like if you if you aren't familiar if you are getting your hair braided you have no control over the entertaining entertainment like experience so at their discretion bitch you're in their house (laughs) i watched like mike epps special this one time at a shop and I was like oh no oh no the whole time I was like oh no 
Because it was so, like, it was so bad. But if you put him in a movie, like, all about the Benjamins, bruh. It's funny. If you give him a line that he may or may not have written. The movie with the weed chicken is What Which movie was that? It's a movie on Netflix where they accidentally spill, like, weed and some chicken grease. And they fry up the chicken. And this Loretta is so... Devine is in the hospital. <laughs> Why is Loretta Devine in these movies? Why is Loretta in these movies? I don't know the name of it, but they selling weed chicken um, to help Loretta to pay Loretta Devine's hospital bills. Ti's in this movie too. I hate when they be getting our elders into these movies because what's that movie with James Earl Jones? And I was like, you are James Earl Jones. You don't have to do. Oh well, was it Welcome Back, Roscoe Jenkins? You don't have to do this, James. Do you? He did at that moment. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I don't see Mike Epps as being a stand-up comedian. I don't know why, but he was like a deaf comedy jam. Um, like he was on a tour, I guess. Ooh, chap. But I think the first time I ever saw, I first time I ever saw Mike, Mike Epps was in um, Next Friday. Mm-hmm. He funny in those situations. Yeah, but I don't think of him as being like in one of those other ones. Oh, I said, well, welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins, and look who was in it. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Um, oh, I was thinking of Titus Burgess. That's who I was thinking of. Um, that was all, that was his kind of circle of friends. And then when he goes on tour, he meets Lady Reed, who was originally like a singer or a backup singer. I guess she was like doing like entertainment, like at like a bar and serving as like a bartender. She said straight up stole that dude in his jaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how um that's how Della White kinda like notices her. Um I forget what she said. Like, she said that basically she was, like, she had a career, but then she was kind of, like, in some sort of weird, I think she's like, in a weird situation with, like, her, like, baby's father or something like that, or her husband, or, like, she got in a fight with somebody about something, and, like, he basically was, like, yo, you have, like, a, like, kind of, like, a, like, you have that air about you, like, you should be a star, and so he invites her on the road, and they're singing these kind of, like, I feel like they're kind of, like, throwback type of songs that kind of like are vaudeville they kind of remind me of vaudeville a little bit where they're mm-hmm. kind of like a, a lot of double entendre about like sucking each other <laughs> and stuff like that and, and um because a lot of those old songs like especially like a lot of queer songs or like songs done by like queer black women they were so raunchy if you go back and, like, listen to, like, some songs, I forget why I was doing this. It was there was some project I had to do in, like, college. And I was, like, going and listening to, like, old um, songs from, like, way back when. And they're so, like, they're so, like, overtly sexual. And I was like, how are people getting away with this shit back then, girl? <laughs> and that's what these reminded me of. They, and I, I really like their dynamic. Like, um... Their dynamic, um, Miss Reed and Lady Reed, sorry, 
and Rudy Ray Moore, but then also Eddie and Divine Joy Randolph, which this was like one of her major role, like her major like TV or movie roles, because she's mm-hmm. um she did some work on Broadway. Okay, and I was gonna say like what she been in. Other than like this, the only thing I knew her from is like High Fidelity, the TV show on Hulu, which she's really That's good her? in that. Yeah, she was uh, Rob's best friend. I didn't know that was her. I thought that was somebody else. No, that's her. She does not look the same. She's actually in a lot of things. Oh, she has. She's on a lot of TV. So she has been. I'll go back to the beginning. Um, she was on like she's been in The Good Wife. Um, she was in like some like she's like she has like a lot of like one episode, probably like guest star things. She was on This Is Us for three episodes. I forgot there was a Mr. Peabody and Sherman show. <laughs> uh, she was on Empire for seven episodes. She was on that show with um, Kirsten Dunst on Becoming God in Central Florida, which I wanted to watch that, but I haven't had the time. Um, but she was on there for a little bit. So I didn't realize that was her. I guess she's got like a wig or something on or braids in High Fidelity. She had braids. There's literally nothing about that show that has been of interest to me, so I haven't watched it. I didn't know she was in it. Maybe I'll watch it now. I watched it. I heard, it. I I heard that it. she's the best part in it, though. Because I would have seen like, her best friend. Oh, yeah. I've heard the outfits are cute. But I've also heard, like, that. Because I always hear, like, her friend is the best part of this movie, or the best part of the show. But, like, nobody ever... Um, ever said what her friend was called or who played her <laughs> so I didn't know until this exact second mm-hmm. um but yeah I like their dynamic on on here I like how he like kind of took her like um along with him and stuff and was like no you got like tons of potential you're funny like you should be up here mm-hmm. cause not everybody will do that like, not no, everybody people... would do that for a woman either. No. and Or they'll be like, oh, you got to pay your dues. Like, I pay my dues and suffer like I did. Mm-hmm. And it's like the whole point is like to put people on, bruh. But you know what? <laughs> Some people just be like, no, I had to work hard. So you have to work hard too. Yeah. I so, don't get that. But whatever. Yeah, you know? I don't see it for the people like that, but I just, <laughs> it's so common though. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, what was the thing? What was the reason? Oh, so they go and see a movie. That's the whole reason why the whole movie idea came into like, into being, they decided to go to see some Walter. <laughs> was it Walter Mandel? Um, it might've been, the movie they went and saw it was some white movie that was supposed to be like hilarious or whatever and like just the clip and jack lemon <laughs> oh see i like jack lemon <laughs> oh, and jack lemon in the front page oh the front page yeah so they go see this movie and like it's just like like they're not connecting with it at all it's a lot of i wasn't really understanding what was supposed to be funny about this movie and I was like, wait, is this a real movie? And apparently it was. Um, yeah, they were like, ain't nothing good in this movie. Because I, I think, like, one of his friends, like, they wanted to go see, like, 
Blackenstein and somebody else said I want to see some other movie that was like a black movie and he was like no let's go see this movie I heard it's supposed to be like the uh the best or funniest movie out right now or whatever which I was like this is why you don't believe people when they say that shit because they just be lying um and it was boring yeah apparently it's based on a play Mm-mm. I was like, well, shit, no wonder. <laughs> no fucking wonder, bitch. Um, so, yeah, so they were like, well, there's no black people in movies like us out there. So he was like, I'm going to make a movie. Like, this is how you kind of get on the scene and kind of have, like a, I guess, like a lasting legacy, maybe. And then he decides to go to, like, a, like a local playhouse. Um, to find like a director or writer, sorry. And then he, well, I, I know you have said that you don't like Key and Peele. But I, I do not like this part of Key and Peele the most. I, this, <laughs> the key, not the peel, I guess. I do, child, I, I don't like the key the most. I, don't know. <laughs> I realized again, I was like, I don't think I like him i can't stand this fucking man i'm sorry <laughs> why don't you like him is it just okay. like a random well like you don't you just don't see it for him so i specific? have watched i've watched keanu oh yeah I actually, you keep telling me to watch i actually enjoy watching keanu okay like tell me that's funny it's fun like keanu is fun um, it's a fun time. So if you're looking for like some fun laughs or from what I remember about it, I have fun watching it. Um, mm-hmm. but bruh, I just, this part of the key in the peel seems like they are so desperate for laughs that they would do absolutely anything to make it happen. Um, and that's what I don't like about them. I never watched Key and Peele. That was like after. That was sort of after. I was like, oh, I'm not really into that stuff no more. So like, I never watched it. Um, so I don't really know what people found funny about it either. About um, them too. They. So. They. I know they come from Mad TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so that's where they linked up at. I think. So they that's interesting. They are that's why I get this feel from especially from Key that they would do anything for a laugh. But they linked up at You hate this man so much. <laughs> oh, he was on Mad TV in two thousand four. I had stopped watching Yeah. I had stopped watching They not with the, the good parts of Mad TV if they were or good parts. Like when Deborah Wilson was on there. Um, yeah, but they linked up there and that's where they come from. So I don't know. I just don't like this man and I don't think he's funny. And I think I if like he's going to be movie. successful, he needs that other half on his own. He's just like, please, please leave us alone. Leave us alone. I liked, but him. he did a good job in this. <laughs> you liked him in this. I didn't like him in this. It actually annoyed the fuck out of me. But that's him as an actor. Like, this is what he does. Like, So, the thing about them two, the only time I've ever seen them that I thought they were funny 
was when they were on Fargo. That's the only time I've ever watched them two together. And they were only on Fargo for like maybe like two episodes. Um, they were both like kind of like dumb FBI agents, I think. Um, that was literally the only time I've ever watched them. Like, will it, well, not willingly, because I didn't know they were on there. <laughs> but I like watched them because I was trying to finish the fucking episode. And like on here... Like, they have a good dynamic, I think, because I guess they're, co- like, comedy partners. Like, you would hope they had a good dynamic. But, like, on here, there's something about the way he acts. It was like, damn it, Rudy. <laughs> was like, oh. Like, that desperation. Like, you feel, like, you you get what I'm saying. Like, like I'm trying to make you laugh. Or I'm trying to be funny or maybe have, like, funny delivery. But, like. I was just like, why are you overly like, I I know you were in a scene with Eddie Murphy and that's probably a big fucking deal. However, <laughs> tone that shit down, bruh. Like, <laughs> if he could tone it down, why can't you? Like, it's, I just, I just don't see it for that man. Like, he's like, God damn it, Rudy. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> If you like Keaton, uh, Kiki, Key, Keaton, Kiki, Kiki, Key, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Keaton, Kiki, Key. That's ain't that that bad name, Keaton, Kiki, Key. It's Keegan Michael Key. Oh, Keegan. it's not Keenan Kiki, Key. What I the hope fuck? Not bitch. Like <laughs> what kind of initials? <laughs> like, it's not Keenan Kiki, Key. It is not. It's her son. It's not Keenan. <laughs> It's Keegan. Keegan. <laughs> and then it's also his middle And it's Michael, but it's not a middle name. It's a hyphenation. Keegan Michael Key. It's not Keegan. <laughs> no, you just been making shit up as usual, bitch. <laughs> Keegan Michael Key. Not Keegan yes. Michael Key. I don't know anybody who likes him that much. Like, so I don't know. I mean. If you stand for this man, sound off in the comments. <laughs> So Brittany can tell you why you are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't like his delivery. That was the whole thing about this. I was like, God, why is he so overly, like, overly um, annoying? And then they're writing this movie. So, you know, Rudy wants to make it about kung fu and action and, like, you know, fine women and shit. And then, like, (laughs) Keegan. Character's name Jerry. Jerry wants to make it about um, sort of like a have like a like a message or some sort of like um, like a meaning, you know, like a like a. It's not just like a thing that he makes. Like he wants to kind of portray the black experience or whatever. And then, or at least I think that's what he said. And then he. <laughs> He's like, we have to have a reading. Like, who did it? And then, like, okay, like, we'll just, we'll say Whitey did it. (laughs) (laughs) We're playing Whitey. And so that's, guess how that's how, because, like, in the movie, isn't it, like, the the cops or whatever are running, like, like, a drug operation that has a connection to, like, the mayor? I or the police, uh, something like that. Oh yeah, like the police oh, yeah. are working with. Yeah, like the police are working with the mayor. Like the mayor is in charge of all this stuff. Like he knows this. I don't know if he's in charge, but I know he knows all this is happening while he's trying to be like a reelected or something. And then the cops are kind of involved in their own way. Um, 
and it's a whole bunch of stuff. So like it had like merit, but like also it was kind of ridiculous. And then um, Jerry, <laughs> I want to call him Keegan now or Kiki. <laughs> God damn it! He hires this like crew of like film students from like I guess UCLA or something. Um, I guess they made like short stories. They kind of start to get this movie off the ground. They are operating of a building with no electricity. I think it, it used to, it was like the Dunbar Hotel. That's where they decided to make their studios. Um, it used to be like an old, like kind of a place that like a lot of, uh, black people go to see shows and, and stuff like that. But it's like really just run down and, and there's like a lot of people like smoking drugs in it. So they decided to like bootleg some electricity, bam, they got themselves a studio <laughs> and then, uh, they're making this movie, but like, <laughs> I love how. I love how they have our favorite scene, which is the karate scene, which is like the cops trying to plant some drugs on him and he karate <laughs> chopped them. <laughs> oh, God. He didn't know karate. He said, I learned it for the film. <laughs> They're like, can we get a better angle? Oh, I forgot about Durville. Durville was played by Wesley Snipes. Mr. Snipes, who can actually kill you? Like, yeah, doesn't he know? Like, a, he's like a black belt in something. Isn't yes, he? yes. Like, he actually knows yes. martial arts from what I remember. Oh, okay. He has um, a fifth Dan black belt in Shotokan karate and a second Dan black belt in Hapkido. I don't know what Hapkido is. Oh, yes. Korean martial arts. A hybrid Korean martial arts. Okay, so he can definitely kill you. Um, Yeah, he is... Uh, <laughs> He's the director, which they meet him in like a restaurant. They met him at a strip club. Oh, wait, no, it was a strip club. I forgot it was a strip club. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because he was trying to cast people for his movie. And the girl was like, you always try to bring porno. You porno directors always try to come in here. And he's like, well, you know what? I mean, you got to be nude on camera, but you got to have talent. She was like, fuck you. (laughs) Or her little bandana uh, panties. That was cute. I was like, really cute. I liked them a lot. I was going to Google how to find some a little later. You know somebody at AliExpress goes, you know. know the third one. But he was in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and Rosemary's Baby, which we hear about Rosemary's Baby um, literally all the goddamn time. And I think he was also in Black Caesar, which I've never heard of Black Caesar. That's a... Black exploitation movie? Yes, it is. Um, with a score by James Brown. Ooh. Uh, ooh, I know, right? Um, <laughs> I didn't know he was in Sheba Baby. Wait, I didn't want. I didn't watch Sheba Baby, did I? No, I didn't watch Sheba. I didn't watch Sheba Baby. I watched the other one. I can't remember what it's called. Um. So, uh, so yeah, he was in, he's in, but he's kind of like, they're like professional in or whatever into this. And like, he always references like working with like <laughs> Polanski and shit like that. And, um, he's basically like, this shit is the ghetto, <laughs> like the ghetto. He almost, uh, stepped through that, um, the floor at one point. And why girl, why did he have that little antebellum South ass umbrella outside? <laughs> When they were filming the car chase. Uh, 
Just being bougie. <laughs> being bougie. Yeah, because he kept saying, like, the kid, one of the kids was like, not the kid, but, like, one of the the white boy film students was like, um, like, there's no better angle to make him look like he's doing real karate. So there's just, like, no hope for him. And then with the car chase, um, first of all, <laughs> I forgot he was in that bitch talking about, drive, nigga, drive. <laughs> And they blew up Mike Epps' cousin's Cadillac. Oh, and he rented it from, like, brought it from the lot. Oh, was it his? I thought it was his cousin's Cadillac. It was somebody else's Cadillac. It was not his. <laughs> it was borrowed, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely not his, and he was distraught <laughs> by it. I would be distraught, too, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, they blew that shit up. Um, they also had the big uh, scene where there was like a, a huge splash that they got on camera. Um, a lot of the good like Dolomite scenes where it's like, you know, I always want to see a honky dance, dance, honky dance. <laughs> Those are all in there. Yes. Classic. Um, classic material. Um, the scene with the girl in the like the sex scene, I didn't realize that was it. Was that from a different movie? No, that was like the beginning of like I feel like it was the beginning of the movie. I don't or real I don't, close to the beginning of the movie when I, they broke the bed, like <laughs> cuz it was it was a really intense sex scene and I was like the fuck. I don't remember that because I was like when did he have sex with a white girl in this movie? I don't he, remember that one scene where it was the other one. We were like, no, because <laughs> the angle made it look like something terrible was happening. <laughs> the angle was wrong. The angle was all wrong. Maybe they had to like improvise in this movie, like kind of switch things up. But it was definitely a sex scene in that film. I, well, at the end of the movie, they they show clips from the movie. Like the original, hmm. but also I feel like I don't know if they mixed them because some of them I was like, damn, I don't remember that happening. They didn't get into like some of the other scenes, like they didn't get into like the one guy, um, like all the interactions with the cops, like the other interactions, and then like the one where he was, um, wasn't it the, like the guy in the church? Like they didn't get into like that, and then of course like the end, did like the whole big. Um, I don't know, wait, am I? my movie am i mixing up my movies i might be mixing up some shit because i feel like i'm talking about sweet sweet back uh you asking the wrong person <laughs> you don't remember shit from that one do you <laughs> um i just remember him walking remember there was like a church wasn't there a church in dolomite too maybe i gotta god i don't remember you do you know how long ago and how how hard I would have to think <laughs> to recall? I can't remember, actually, now. Now I feel like I'm messing up. Maybe that's why I'm confusing. I remember that one sex scene, though. Like, the, the one that was like, no, please. <laughs> yeah, that was girl. And then, of course, like, the, um, the kung fu and stuff like that. But I feel like I'm mixing up some. Because remember, he teams up with the... Um, he teams up with the detective. They didn't get into all those scenes, I think. But they, I mean, they, they did the ones that mean the most. Mm. <laughs> I 
Um, and then I forget what happens. Oh, so he decides to put out this movie. And that was when we run into trouble. Yeah, he tries um, to, like, shop the movie around. Um, but, like, none of the major studios wants it. Mm-hmm. So he tries to go to, like, an independent black studio. Um, and they were like, so we are putting out more movies like Cornbread Earl and Me. And we don't want whatever this is. <laughs> so he is like trying to figure out what to do. He is really close to like giving up on his dream, which is different for him because like anytime somebody tell him no, he finds a way around it. Right. Um, but this time this no is like the no that's going to stop him because he has sunk all his money, everything else into this film and this yeah. might be that final just no, like it's over. Yeah, he had to give up his apartment to do this movie. He gave mm-hmm. up his apartment. Um, I don't know if he had a car, but if he had one, he gave that up too. He also um, is living at the Dunbar Hotel now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he's kind of like at his like the end of his rope. He's basically, since he sold the rights to his albums, like he has to go back and make more money because I guess that that um, none of that money is going to come to him like directly, I guess. I'm not really sure how that worked. Um, whoever he was managing his like whole like record label and shit, like they were fucking him over basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, he's on like, he's basically back on the circuit. Um promoting his albums and it almost felt like people were kind of forgetting about him yeah um but he like in his like tour he ends up having like an interview with the radio dj played by chris rock and (laughs) the dj is like yo i heard it's like a dolomite movie coming out and he's like "Eh, no i don't know about all that He's like, I would tell you if I had it, but I don't really know. Like, it's never coming out. And then Chris Rock, uh, or the DJ, I guess, like, goes and closes the door and, like, goes off the air. And he's like, listen, I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> Give me something to work with. Uh, and eventually he gives him the number of some, of, like, a theater owner. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know what you're going to do, but go over here and talk to him. Maybe he'll play your movie or some shit. <laughs> and... Um, he goes over and he, I guess this theater, I've never heard of this, is called a four-wall um, four distribution. I don't know. I'm not really sure how distribution really works nowadays. I'm going to be real honest. So I don't know, like, how this works. Um, I never heard of it, too. But he kind of explained it to us is basically, like, you buy out the, I guess you buy out like the the theater for the night mm-hmm. in advance and then you sell the movie tickets or something and then money shit I- so okay I got it on Wikipedia so basically it is uh, a studio or distributor rents a movie theater for a period of time and receives all the box office revenue that's basically what they say in the thing 
Um, and then the studio, I'm sorry, the theater gets all like the concessions and like the popcorn sales, um, which is basically where they make a lot of their movie anyway, or money anyway. Uh, especially I think like back then because you can only buy one ticket, but you can buy a bunch of popcorn and a bunch of drinks and a bunch of candy. Um, so basically what they do is they will spend like a weekend or two renting the movie theater for a flat fee and paying for every seat. So basically he paid for like, I don't know how many seats that were in the, in the theater and they get all the revenue. And, um, by contrast, it says ticket sales are shared between theaters and distributors on normal releases. I don't really know, um, basically how that works. I know like a lot of times I think like studios or not studios, theaters kind of get like a, like shafted in the whole sort of, like revenue to um, movie thing, kind of like how that works. I feel like that's why a lot of, first of all, like tickets are fucking expensive as hell, um, and then also like concessions are super super expensive. It costs like I don't know how much money just to fucking go to movies now, um, if you want like the full like eating and drinking experience. Uh, so I don't really know how he swung this, but Rudy does the whole four wall deal just for like the night and he manages to promote the hell out of it he gets somebody to drive the reels up to minneapolis he's got like i don't know how many reels and then um and then he makes it happen and all these people show up and it's really popular people like like it um but then he gets contacted by Another company, and this would be so, like, <laughs> I was kind of, like, crack up, because once, I f- didn't even realize this person was in this movie, um, but then when I saw him, I was like, bitch, what kind of shady shit are you about to be up to? So this is Bob Ur- Odenkirk, a.k.a. <laughs> Saul Goodman <laughs> from Breaking Bad, and I was like, what kind of shady shit are you about to pull? <laughs> I'm in the middle of rewatching this show, and I was like, hell no, bitch. <laughs> Do not, do not, whatever you do under any circumstances, do not give this man jack shit until you, until you have it all buttoned up and together. Like, I, that was someone who popped up too, kind of like T.I. I was like, oh, ah, okay. <laughs> he pops up in a lot of things. I don't know, like how, I guess he was like really popular before Breaking Bad, but I didn't know him until I watched Breaking Bad. I know he had um that I was about to say with Mr. Bill, but um Who is Mr. Bill? Wait, and that's not even the right thing, I don't think. Oh god. Um <laughs> But he had a show, like I think he had like a sketch show. I think he did too, which I think um, got in trouble for a bunch with, of shit. With um, that one man that I hate. Yes, I see it. Um, oh, he was on Mr. Show? Yeah. But he was also on a show with David Cross, who we both Yeah, yeah um, I hate that man. <laughs> but I don't really, I mean, this is the type of stuff I'm like ignoring now. I'm like, I don't really like y'all. <laughs> so I don't really want to watch this. But he wrote for like Conan O'Brien and for the Ben Stiller show, and for Saturday Night Live. Apparently, mm. he was in Little Women. <laughs> he was in Little Little Women's. Little Women's. <laughs> 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 Did you know he was in Wayne's World too? 
Ah. And Dr. Doodle, too. He was a voice. Hmm. I mean, he's been working, but the only reason why I really know who he is is because he was Saul Goodman. Like, that's really, like, just let's keep it 100. Um, so, yeah, he is, like, um, a real-life person called Lawrence Wolner, who is the uh, owner of Dimension Pictures, which I guess specialized in, like, exploitation movies um, for, like, a brief time in the 70s. And... Uh, they decide to, like, distribute... They want to distribute his movie. I think they had, like, originally turned Rudy down. And then they saw how much money he made off of the ticket sales from the first movie, or from the first showing, and they're like, okay, hey, this is what we could do. And so Rudy brings all his people in the, mo- in the, um, in the meeting with him. He's got Lady Reed in this beautiful yellow outfit with her little hat. <laughs> and he's got his other friends in there with him too. And he said they, they're they like, I forgot what his company was called. But they were basically like a subsidiary of that company. <laughs> and that, you know, he didn't want to get um, ripped off because that was like a common thing that happened with like white people. Or sorry, with black, black creatives and white people. So they end up um, doing it because I think if he had been doing it like his way, he would have just been like introducing this movie for like a like five years basically. Because this is before like home video, so I don't really know like what was like the length of time a movie would stay in, um, like at the theater. I feel like it would stay a lot longer than it does now. It could like honestly, it could. For months, right? Be like a um, Night of the Living Dead situation. How long is that? Was that in the theater for? Like, it traveled. Like that was a movie that played on. A, that was a, another indie movie that kind of like played on a lot of different circuits. Okay. So maybe like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work. But basically, he was like, you don't have to do that. We'll, like, do it, like, properly and professionally or whatever. Which I think is, like, a dig at them. But he ends up taking the deal. Um, But I also felt bad for him because they have, like, a real premiere for it. Um, Even though Derville said there would never be, like, a real premiere for the movie. Remember at the end of the the rap? Like, when the movie wrapped, he was like, all right, I'll be seeing y'all. He's like, this ain't gonna get no premiere, so deuces, niggas. <laughs> Basically, first he's like, I'll see y'all at the premiere. And he came back, he's like, actually, there won't be no damn premiere, so I'll see you. <laughs> see y'all when I see y'all. See you when I see you, peace. <laughs> you so garbage. I wonder if he was like that in real life. Like, I'm like, damn, bitch, like, why are you so. You worked on Rosemary's Baby. You were like the elevator attendant, my nigga. Like, like you weren't even in the movie. Like, was he a part of the movie? I've only seen Rosemary's Baby once. I don't remember him. I. I'm, they were like, oh, I remember you. And then they named his part, and I was like, uh. Like you were just the guy who pushed the buttons on the elevator because white people didn't do that shit back then. Like, I, guess I, I was so confused. 
I mean, he had worked with other directors, I think, but like at the time, at the time, I was like, uh, you ain't really no better than the rest of them, bruh. <laughs> why are you like, why are you acting you like this? Yeah, why are you acting like you were too good to like be around these people? You see mm. what they casted you as? <laughs> like, oh my god. Uh, so yeah, they have the premiere. They're going to premiere. Um, Lady Reed is in her finest sparkly sequin outfit. Um, and then they're reading the reviews and they're terrible. And it kind of like hurt his feelings a little bit. Yeah, because they call him fat in one of them. They say the, 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 the movie makes no sense, which I didn't think it didn't make no sense. It was ridiculous, but it didn't make no damn sense. Like, it made some sense. Um, he's like, well, that's all right. You know, people just want to see kung fu and titties and things. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Lady Reed, when he said titties, she was like, did this little show wish in me? <laughs> I thought that was so cute. That was adorable, and um, yeah. But he finds like the one review that's like I forget what they say. It was like basically like this was horrible. It was like so crass and so rude and blah blah blah. And he's like, that's the stuff that people are gonna wanna. That's gonna make people wanna see the movie because they're gonna see how crass and like rude it is. And like when they pull up, there's like a whole big crowd of people. People are really excited to see him. There's like a little mini like comedian in the making. I forgot what his little like name is or whatever. Um and so he finally feels like, oh, okay, like, you know, I've done my not that I've done my piece, but I'm like this is what I kinda set out to do and people are like receiving it well and um like, ooh, look my mom made it kind of thing. And he's like so like he's he's so proud and he should be. And yeah, it's hard to make that shit work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, especially nowadays, we got all this, like, like I feel like there's so many, like, grants and fellowships and shit like that, and people still can't get their movies made. Like, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Did he bring new... We didn't talk about Lunel. Yeah, my girl. <laughs> Lunel is so goddamn nasty. <laughs> she popped up, and I was like, Yes! <laughs> I didn't see her when they had the premiere. I wonder if he brought her. I think that was supposed to be like his auntie. I forget. I, I know remember. that's who like gave him the loan, the first loan to get the albums yeah. made. Right. Yeah. He, um, yeah. Cause she got hit by a bus <laughs> and she said, I ain't got no money. <laughs> I don't know why you keep talking about I got money. I ain't got no money. Um, but yeah, she, yeah, I didn't see her, but I forgot. I, I feel like we would be irresponsible not to mention Ludell. A legend. So yeah, uh, and that's kind of like the end of the movie. They show a bunch of like um, clips of, of like kind of like the finished, like the quote unquote finished version of Dolomite versus like the real version. <laughs> it was pretty spot on, man. Yeah. Was that Eddie Murphy's butt for real? I I don't know. I didn't I didn't look into that. That sent me a little bit um to another dimension because I was like, wait, that's Eddie Murphy's butt. <laughs> that's who that is. I was very, very um confused. <laughs> I was like, what am I seeing right now? 
And I think he ended up making like like millions off of that movie. Or the movie made millions. I don't know, like once, you know, distributing and all that stuff happened. So would you recommend this film? I enjoyed it more the second time. I feel like some parts it had um were a little corny. In the sense of like, follow your dreams. Like sometimes I'm like, oh my god, no. Like <laughs> But I feel like it was a very um much needed look like at the behind the scenes and what people had to do to make movies, especially black people in the seventies, um, to make these movies. Cause I feel like there's not like a lot of, um, uh, like, you know how you get the oral history of something like the oral history of this movie, the oral history of that or whatever. Um, I don't really feel like we get these for these movies. And I think it's just basically because there's a lot of like, not necessarily like actors that aren't, um, like sort of like I guess quote unquote professional actors and stuff and a lot of people also like are not alive anymore so we don't really get um that thing and then like I was saying like just the amount of articles I saw (laughs) about Rudy Ray Moore just from last year uh like that just tells me that there's a lot of um a lot of uh, people from back then get like easily forgotten, which is sad. Um, especially since how like how influential his entire like character and swag was, and so I, I enjoyed it mainly for that. Um, but also just like seeing Eddie Murphy in something that was kind of like more raunchy a little bit was actually really nice to see again. Cause my God, <laughs> mm-hmm. so many family films. So. I would recommend it as well. Like, the first time I watched it was when it first came out. And I I found it really inspirational because I was going through a moment. And I was like, hmm. Oh, So watching this at that time was like, you know what? I am going to follow my dreams, too. Um, So watching it again still hit me with that same message. And I was like, you know what? Follow your dreams, you little bitch. And that's exactly what I'm going to continue to do. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so, but other than that, it was good to revisit this film. And it was kind of like what you said, seeing Eddie Murphy return to, like, comedy in the manner that he used to do. Um, but in a different way, because it is the same raunchy comedy, but right. different. It's not boomerang comedy. Um which, as I mentioned before, I revisited in the weeks, uh, last couple of weeks, um, did not age well. But you can be vulgar, you could be raunchy, but you don't have to be offensive um, in some ways that some of his other works were. Um, and just like this, this movie was a way to also um, feature other actors and actresses to allow them to be put on the scene like um divine like she is talented in this movie put her on everybody else's radar like she was in other works that we had no idea that she was in but this movie um allowed us to get a better look at her work and what she can do and hopefully it'll provide her with more opportunities in the future I'm keeping mm-hmm. my fingers crossed because I do want to see her and more stuff because she is funny. Like, she is yeah. funny and she's talented. So hopefully yeah. it provides her with more work. 
I didn't even think about that one scene of her with that dude who was like, oh, yeah, I kind of got the reputation of playing the the white guy, the bad white guy in town. <laughs> and he listed all his things, and one of them was like a rapist, and she was like, oh, so I guess you just found what you're good at. It's <laughs> like, damn. It's a good movie. It's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, like, check it out. Yeah, and also I would like to say that I liked how, in addition to Divine, that he, uh, or at least, like, this movie in general, that's a lot of, of course we said about the cameos, but I feel like there's a lot of, like, comics in the movie um, that maybe not, maybe not, (laughs) that might not get, like, their due in other movies. Um, I mean, I know, like, Titus is, like, super popular now, and, um... But I like how, like, comedians kind of will, like, put their own on, for the most part, like, for better or for worse sometimes. And, like, sometimes I'm like, you don't need to, you don't need to bring this person into our <laughs> into our lives. We're much better without them. But I do like how, like, like, of course, like, Mike and then, um, and, like, Craig Robinson and stuff like those, like, those people I got to, like, have roles in this movie like it wasn't just like Eddie Murphy was like the only comic in this movie like he gave roles to like other people in the industry either people who might have like come up after him or um because I I would be hard pressed to think that any of these people like were comics besides Lunell were comics (laughs) that didn't come up probably watching an Eddie Murphy special or something like that Mm. yeah so I do like that um, aspect of it too. I didn't. I don't think I realized. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, these are like almost all these people are like stand-up comedians in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, so yeah, I would say watch it if I didn't say that already. And like Brittany said, it is on Netflix, so you ain't really got any excuse. I mean, unless you don't have Netflix, but then, you know, it's it's ways around that. There are ways. We won't say any because we want this episode to stay on the internet. (laughs) So. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I guess we should say where we are. Yeah. Um, we are uh, on Twitter at BLK Girl Film Club. We're on Instagram at Black Girl Film Club. Uh, you can visit our website at blackgirlfilmclub.com. You can email us at gmail, excuse me, <laughs> blackgirlfilmclub at gmail.com. We are on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, and a number of other sites, um, basically anywhere you can get a podcast. Um, you know, Find us, check us out. We didn't say this at the top of the episode I meant to. Thank you. Um, I cannot remember the writer's name, but we were featured on... Um... Joel Cunningham. Wait. Okay. Let me make sure. And you can fix it in editing. <laughs> fix it in post. It is Joel Cunningham. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. Shout out to Joel for including us in a list of... Um, podcast to listen to if you want to like learn more about film um we're up there with some big names like the um what was the one there's one i know there's like black man can't jump and there is the um there's a few on there don't yeah there's, there's a lot so <laughs> don't hold me to it please don't hold me um 
So yeah, just being included with a lot of names that I recognize. Um, oh, remember this pod? I've always wanted to check them out. They do like a lot of like secret and forgotten history. Or sorry, you must remember this is the um, official name. So yeah, these are like a lot of um, a lot of podcasts that are like legit. <laughs> Just standing, we're just two girls um, in our respective states in our respective bedrooms, recording some shit, talking some shit. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, often. So, so. yeah, just being included just feels so nice. It does. Feels like we're a little, a little uh, less shouting to the void <laughs> on our part. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> So just thank you. Yeah. Shout out to um, everybody else on that list. Check out um, all the podcasts. Check us out, obviously, if you're not, you know, obviously you're listening to this, but, you know, go to our back catalog. We're smart and we're fun. Woo. As, I mean, as Joel said, <laughs> I'm some of those things, you know, depending on the day, depending on the hour. <laughs> Maybe a little smart, maybe a little fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we don't really know what movies we're doing next month. Usually this would be the time we announce what we're doing. Um, we have, like, some things we are, uh, you know, thinking about doing. But, of course, uh, if you want, like, the latest, you need to follow us on Twitter and Instagram because that's where we usually be at um, mm-hmm. to give you all the latest info. Um, but yeah, hang tight for our new episodes. They're coming. And we'll, we'll let you guys know. Yeah, we'll have to, I feel like, what are we going to do, like, Candyman around this episode? We're never going to get to do Candyman. <laughs> One day. We're never going to get to do Candy on Candy. <sighs> no sweets for the sweet. <laughs> No, I'm really excited. Oh, if we ever get to see that movie, I'm really, really excited. I don't know how we're going to see this movie. Maybe in the drive. <laughs> maybe. Drive in or something. Oh. That would be maybe. fun. We could be as loud as we wanted to be in our own cars. Yeah. Oh, that would be. Oh. That would be fun. It's just me howling, yeah, yeah, into the night. They were like, ma'am, ma'am. Meow. 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 So you don't have to be shown out of the theater. You could just do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there anything else you want to say? No. That's it. Stay safe. Wear your goddamn mask. Don't let me Please wear your mask. Wash Please, your hands. For the love of God. Wash these hands. Wear these masks. Stop being funny about it. Because at this rate, I'll never leave this house. I will have spent 75% of my 30th year in the American crib. <laughs> oh, God. Right? <laughs> like, when you really think about it, I was like, I turned 30 last year, and it's supposed to be, like, a lit year, and this shit was <laughs> garbage. <laughs> and nobody wants to put on their mask because they want people to see their smile or whatever the fuck, or they want to air out their mouth or whatever. All these excuses. Stop being ugly. Just put on your goddamn mask. Just, it's fine. Just wear your mask, guys. Just wear your mask. And if you don't, I will have to double up. 
just to be around some y'all. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. Enough posturing. We're going to go. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone.